The information on this program is intended to share the experiences others have had in battling addiction and to let you know there is hope to recover, no matter how bad things may seem. Please do not change any program you are on, especially if under medical supervision, without the approval of your doctor, counselor, or other professional treatment. Good evening. Welcome to Recovering Hope. I almost forgot which program I'm doing. Some cool music from, from Joe's keyboard over there. Thank you, Joe. Like I said, this is Recovering Hope, and we are here to do our best to share with you the fact that regardless of how ugly a situation might seem or look or, or actually is in dealing with addiction, that there is hope for those that are addicted. We have spoken to, we're coming up on six months now in this program, and we have spoken to a lot of people who, uh, the, the majority of which have incredible stories of hope, and, and not that his position or fame means that much, but a couple of weeks ago we spoke with Dr. Art Kleinschmidt and pretty much was out of school at like eighth grade. And yes, I said Dr. Art Kleinschmidt, who, who worked under the drug czar for the Trump administration, Put himself through school, many degrees, 18 years clean and sober. I don't know how many people apparently or temporarily gave up on that man, but they don't have to be famous, um, spoken to many, quote-unquote, ordinary people, and, and, and who have kicked the habit. It's a tough habit to kick, but it is doable, ladies and gentlemen, so please don't give up. There are many resources um, on my website, which is recoveringhope.org. And there are also podcasts of all the previous episodes that we've done here. And a lot of good information. So please, don't, don't hesitate to look. If you think that something is awry in someone's behavior that is different and you suspect that it's drugs, please take some sort of action. I'm not, I don't have any initials next to my name that would qualify me to professionally counsel you but if I can't give you some good advice I know I can give you some people who can give you some good professional advice so um, that's my short intro and my next short intro is going to be uh, for this young lady sitting to my left here uh, Lillian Beecroft who is um, if you listen to the show and or watch this show then you know Lillian and Lillian is helping me to get this message out here about hope and helping me with my Facebook page. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course, of course. It's definitely a great opportunity, and I'm excited to help you with your mission and just help our community here in Wilmington. Yeah, that is, that is the main thing. And, and, you know, I was talking to somebody today. As a matter of fact, it was Pastor Mike from church. Mm -hmm. um, just saying how, you know, it, it means so much to me that, that others do not have to go through this alone. You know, when things started going south in my family, my wife and I felt very alone. As you know, we belong to a big church and, mm -hmm. you know, lots of friends. And, and you just don't know who to talk to or, or where do you get advice from. And sometimes when I'm doing something new, 
I will try to, you know, I, I don't try. I ask numerous people pretty much the same question. When you start getting some of those same answers, that's a good indication that that might be the right path to choose. Um, so give us a little information on, on um, how to properly share this information. And also, lest I forget, Saturday mornings, 11 a.m., Yes, I am live on my very own show, Awaken mm-hmm. to Greatness, mm-hmm. on Saturdays at 11 a.m. Uh, we talk, uh, educate, encourage, and take action within our communities through politics, faith, and life. So mm-hmm. I speak a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and so you can check me out there. And also now you can check out Recovering Hope radio mm-hmm. show specifically. It has its own page now on Facebook. Okay. And you can find that by going to Facebook and going to at Recovering Hope radio and mm-hmm. it should pop up right there okay um we encourage all of you i know mark already has a great following on his personal page so please go like and just share comment and go to that new page because you will actually be able to find a lot of what's coming up next uh yes. we will also be putting uh conversations discussions a little mm-hmm. bit more information um topics discussed on air will be put on the facebook mm-hmm. so it's kind of just a great place to build community and, and really see the mission of Recovering Hope uh, at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also will go along with what we're doing on the website, the YouTube channel, and the podcast, because mm-hmm. you've got a lot going already. I do. I have so much going, <laughs> but I, I feel like a juggler that, that doesn't really know how to handle those things that he's juggling so well. well so that's what I'm here for. I need your help, and I very <laughs> much appreciate it. I remember when I heard your first show, I think it was back in December, was mm-hmm. it? Um, I said, oh, wow. Yeah, young girl, graduating college. Yes. And when is that? May. May. So one more month. And I'm done. Actually, one month exactly, and I'm done. And your degree is? Communications with a minor in business. Mm -hmm. Very good. It's my second degree. And you're already putting it to good use. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited. That's impressive, and I I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing for the community and and your help here. And I'm kind of a slow learner with this Facebook stuff. You probably figured that out already. But the most important thing, and, and, you know, folks that are listening, and and I know that you know this, Lillian, um, I, I believe this information is so crucial for people to know, to, to share it. Um, everybody kind of knows somebody that, that has either fallen to addiction or, you know, this is a, just a little aside. Today I had the dryer repaired at our recovery residence, Prodigal Recovery, and we used Mr. Appliance. Mr. Appliance showed up on time, diagnosed the problem, took care of it, don't let the socks go into the exhaust line or something like <laughs> yeah, that, okay? That's just, that to it's just a tip that, uh, that Brad gave me. And he actually was very appreciative of, of what we're doing at the recovery home, this radio program. He says he's in, the, in his truck from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and he listens to a lot of talk radio. I said, oh, you listen to the big talker? He said, oh, of course. And he knows the show. And um, as we talked a little bit more, he shared the fact that he lost a brother. I think it was about 20 years ago. How long ago is, is somewhat irrelevant. But, you know, and as I mentioned to him, I said, you know, it used to be that everybody knows somebody, whether it's once removed or something, mm-hmm. that, that has struggled with drug addiction. But now, as my friend Wayne Ray would say, now almost everybody knows somebody that died from addiction. Yes. And that's what we're here to, to do our best to, to minimize Uh, those statistics and I don't think we'll ever eliminate them uh, just being a realist here but um, uh, and I have to give out Mr. Um, Appliance's 
number. It's 796-1118. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate your help. And this evening, we are going to hear from, you must have seen it on the Facebook page, uh, Virginia Krieger. Uh, Virginia is, um, she works hand-in-hand very much with last week's guest, uh, Michael Gray. And both of them are very, very thorough in informing us in in all of the work that they do. I don't know how much time they put into this of of what we refer to as the new paradigm. Uh, But before I get into Virginia's um, topic this evening, I want to share a little bit uh, that our friend Ed Bish um, was sharing with me. Ed Ed is also one of those people that are are on the front lines of, of fighting this pandemic. And I was hoping to have time to call Ed, but I'm sorry that I don't. Um, but he said, if you can't talk to me, then, then please read this. He said, please go to the Take Action page on SacklerAct.org. S-A-C-K-L-E-R, Act.org, where in four minutes you can provide your information and a letter will be sent to your elected officials. This is the only way to stop the Purdue Farmer bankruptcy scam. And I, again, I don't have time to get into all of the information, but that's what this is. Um, uh, it's a scam, and, and these people need to, to pay for the damage that, is, that, that has been done to the best that they can. The, the lives that have been lost, not going to bring those back, but uh, there's a lot of reparation that needs to be done. And another point from him is um, the FDA update is seven senators have sent a letter to President Biden opposing Janet Woodcock for her role in the opioid epidemic. For more information on either subject, please visit my timeline on, timeline on Facebook, Ed Bish, B-I-S-C-H. And unfortunately, Ed lost a son, um, Ed Jr., I think it was about 20 years ago. And ever since then, like a lot of other people, have been diligently at work to, to minimize the pain and damage uh, that, that is being done to others. So I'm just going to read a, a quick paragraph here on um, a little bit of background on Virginia. We'll take a little break, and then we'll get her on the line. This is uh, Virginia Krieger. Uh, Parents Against Illicit Narcotics is an affiliate of the Fentanyl Awareness Coalition, as its founder, Virginia also serves on the executive board of directors for the Fentanyl Awareness Coalition, a new organization razor-focused on the illicit fentanyl epidemic in the United States and the rise of synthetic analogs affecting people from all populations and social classes. So please stay tuned. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to get uh, some good information here on this new paradigm. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Recovering Hope. My name is Mark Markley. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. Glad you could join us. In case you missed it at the open, we are here to share the fact that there is hope recovery from drug addiction. And although the topic this evening is not drug addiction, it is awareness to a very, very serious part of this pandemic. 
Hello, Virginia. Well, hello, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been uh, a long time waiting, but I'm so glad that we could finally <laughs> make this happen. Um, I, I did get your outline. I, unfortunately, I didn't have the time to go through the whole thing. I, I kind of browsed it uh, you know, earlier, but uh, there's plenty to talk about here. I, I read your intro that you wrote at the top there, and um, that certainly explains the direction that we're going. And I see that you know the first um, subtitle here, if you will, the first part of this outline is The New Paradigm, which I briefly explained, but why don't you give it to us in your words? Well, before that, Virginia, take a couple of minutes and, and tell us what got you into this. Well, um, I'm a, I, I was a mother of three, um, mm. very healthy, well-adjusted uh, young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, 2014, uh, my daughter, Tiffany, uh, came into contact. She had suffered a, a fall and herniated mm-hmm. three lumbar discs in her lumbar spine. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany did exactly what any normal person would do. She went to the emergency room. Then she went to her physician. She was referred out from her physician to a neurosurgeon Mm -hmm. and also to the pain clinic. Mm -hmm. And that's where things had changed. Um, After the news of the opioid epidemic broke, the first wave of attacks were directed at physicians, and of course, we all know that there were pell mill physicians out there right. who were writing prescriptions like candy, but mm-hmm. the majority of legitimate physicians were not doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, because of legislative actions dictating patient care, uh, physicians were really fearful to prescribe any narcotics, and so um, I guess it's always feast or famine, yeah. and what happened in her case was the doctor's they, they recommended Tylenol, and we're not going to write you anything until you see the pain clinic. Wow. Um, and so we had all these patients at once here in Ohio being shoved into pain clinics. The, the, the appointments were weeks to months away. In Tiffany's case, it was eight weeks. Oh, my God. And so she was really backed into a corner. You know, she has two young children at home. She's in a great deal of pain. What can I do? Mm. Um, so someone offered her what she thought was a Percocet, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, it looks like a Percocet. Mm-hmm. And so there was no reason for her to suspect otherwise. Yeah. And it was fentanyl and it claimed her life. Wow. Now, was and, it, was it pure fentanyl or Percocet with fentanyl? Do you know? Or, I don't know if it really there matters. Was no Percocet in it whatsoever. It, it was, it was fentanyl. Um, wow. uh, and what was interesting um, was knowing her as I did, mm. she would have been the one to have gone to one of those websites to look it up and do the pill identification. Right. And in this atmosphere, it doesn't matter because that's, they look so closely wow. like the real thing that sometimes it's even experts have a difficult time telling them apart. Mm. So, um, you know, so those are kind of adding an, an extra level of dimension mm. to this, which isn't helpful um, because of this new problem. Right. And that's really what it is. That's why we call it a new paradigm. It's right. a new problem that we've right. never had before. Mm-hmm. And new problems require new responses. Yes. Um, so after this happened to her, of course, it just devastated my family. And mm-hmm. my youngest son, who also never had any problems with drugs at all, mm-hmm. 
he became so lost in his grief that he started to use meth to feel better. Oh, wow. Um, and he thought, well, it's the opposite. It's meth. It's not heroin or, or an opiate mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's not definitely not fentanyl, so it can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he was wrong because in October he came into meth that contained acetophentanyl. Oh, wow. And he nearly died oh, wow. um, himself. Mm. He, they administered Narcan seven or eight times in the ambulance um, wow. on the way to the emergency room. Mm. And he was in the ICU on a, an IV drip for over eight hours until it had left his system. But the problem was that as soon as the Narcan would start to wear off, the fentanyl would come just raging right back. Wow. Um, so it wasn't fully reversing the effect. And mm. we're getting reports of that everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, wow. um, and that puts us in a really critical phase because how good is Narcan going to be with something right. like that? Right. And I apologize for that beep that just came through, if you can hear it. I'm going to oh. turn that off right now. No, I didn't hear it in my end. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so we, we really entered a new dimension. Um, and so... After this happened to her, at first I wanted to find out why, how it happened, mm-hmm. where did it come from, how did it get to her right. in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so that sent me on this journey that has now brought me into having this nonprofit organization mm-hmm. to try to make a positive impact and, and, and do vast public awareness campaigns and, um, mm-hmm. and then brought me together with Michael Gray yes. um, and... The oh. Fentanyl Awareness Coalition, and so that's where we are today. Yeah, you're both doing amazing um, work. I, I don't know how much time you put into it. I know Michael also runs uh, a substantial business, and 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 I'm not sure what else you do, but it doesn't matter the the amount of effort and work that you're doing. It, it's saving lives, even though you and I might not know that directly, and maybe you do. Um, I think Michael mentioned something last week that. Uh, Someone did acknowledge that that information actually saved at least one person's life. I'm sure it's many more. I've, I've actually had two or three of those. Um, I've been doing this Good. since roughly 2017. And, oh, wow. And, and yeah, I've had a, a couple of people come back to me. In one case, it was an active poisoning, and, and they didn't even hesitate to make the phone call. Good. Um, that was necessary Good. to save someone's life, and and that was mm. such a blessing to hear. Excellent. Um, but you know, but you keep seeing the numbers go up, and mm-hmm. at times, you know, you just have to, you just have to just give it to, give it to God and just pray about it because Absolutely. there's just so much going on. Yeah, there is. Um, and you feel like you're really not doing anything when the numbers just keep going up and up and up. But yeah, we're really hoping that. By getting you know the message out there in a more broad fashion and mm-hmm. reaching more people, that we can get these warnings out, so that at least people are aware that it's out there. Yes, um, and, and there's something that's in the works. I, I'm not at liberty to say, but one of my fairly recent interviewees, if that's yeah, I guess I'm the interviewer. Or they're the interviewee. <laughs> it has got something going on that that he asked me not to mention, but it's it's pretty big. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's a result of this program, but I think that this, this program may have uh, brought some things to light that, that he may or may not have otherwise thought of. But I don't care. I'm not looking to take any credit. But, you know, we, we don't know where the numbers would be if, if you weren't doing what you were doing. I, I only started this up. You know, you guys deserve the bulk of the credit, if you will. 
And I know that's not why you're doing it. Um, but imagine what it might be like if nobody did anything. And you throw what? something like COVID into the mix, which is, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen or, or how to prepare for, for this mess. Seems like things are getting better with that, but the damage is still being done as a result of all of this um, seclusion and, and additional stress and anxiety that it has caused. And that's Well, yes, and you know, the thing that I, th- I guess is, is the most distressing of all is that there's been an, an effort for a very long time going on mm-hmm. in this country to try to reduce stigma and yeah. to, you know, start to humanize this issue, mm-hmm. which is, it's a wonderful movement. Uh, there are a lot of really great people I know who are involved in it. Yeah. And what this did was they, they've made so much progress. And then this giant monkey wrench gets thrown in the middle. Yes. Yeah. You know, everything was moving along well. Mm-hmm. Things were starting to shift. Right. And then, bam, in 2013, we get hit with, with illicit fentanyl. Yeah. And it was a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. And so now what we're doing is we're struggling to find where, how do we separate this from the mix yeah. and, and still continue on with those mm-hmm. important programs while we're minimizing the impact of, of illicit fentanyl. And, mm-hmm. and that's really the biggest challenge I think that we face right now. Yeah. is um, first of all, accepting that this change has happened and how significant it really is. Yeah. And, and how do we maintain what we're trying to get done to humanize this issue while we're still protecting people from mm-hmm. this deadly substance? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a really complex and, and, and challenging issue. Yeah, you know, there's something in your notes that I saw, and I don't want to move too far ahead, but it's under um, measuring the crisis that the uh, drug-related deaths are more than double the CDC estimates. Can expand that's on that correct. a little bit? Yeah. Boy, yes, there was a study that was released in February of 2020. It was conducted by Georgetown University and the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was interesting about this study is they, um, they went through 2016, and in 2016 the CDC reported 63,000 drug-related deaths. However, this study mm. found 142,000 wow. for 2016 alone. Mm-hmm. And what they uncovered was that the only deaths that were being counted in these measurements mm-hmm. uh, were the immediately found um, deaths. In other words, if it was instant, they were, in, they were included. If it mm-hmm. wasn't instant, and let's say the person... Uh, ended up in a coma, and they hung on in the, in the hang on, hung on in the coma for weeks. Maybe got secondary pneumonia as a result. Even though the the uh, poisoning itself was the initial uh, incident that brought them mm-hmm. um, to die, yeah. it's not being counted. And and this the same is true of um, of deaths that are related to uh, needle borne hepatitis. Mm. HIV that are drug related. None of those are being counted. Mm-hmm. And so when we're so what I've always what I've been trying to tell people that are the, there there are numerous challenges with the CDC, um, which I had listed. You know, under the current systems, as I mentioned, the only deaths are those immediately lost. Right. But then the other crux of this is 
fentanyl doesn't have its own coding category. Yeah, it's I in see a that. Category yeah. mm-hmm. with other drugs, so it's other synthetic drugs, and so mm. it includes tramadol for one, mm-hmm. or any other um, synthetic drugs that may be out there, which is really shocking when we have looked at the number of fentanyl toxicity deaths that have mm. occurred over the past eight years. Um, we have medical examiners who. Um, automatically, when someone comes in the door who has a drug toxicity level that includes heroin, fentanyl, um, the mixture of both, co- maybe cocaine and fentanyl, meth and, co- and fentanyl, what they'll do is they will code that death automatically as someone with substance abuse issues. Right. And that's not always necessarily the case. Right. In my daughter's case, that wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't the issue. Right. In my, um, in, uh, a friend of ours, Ed Kobilis's son, that mm. wasn't his issue. There are a number of, of people in this country mm-hmm. who only occasionally might use uh, what they think is a prescription pill or right. they might use a, a non-lethal drug mm-hmm. recreation mm-hmm. on a, an occasional basis, but sure. they don't become addicted. Right, right. And so we, before 2013, we never heard of those people. Right. You know, they would they would maybe take an Adderall to get through exams, mm-hmm. you know, to study, and, mm-hmm. and they would go on with their lives and nothing bad happened. Right. And so we never heard of them. And now this is the newest group that is dying. And what do you and see from, from your research, uh, Virginia? What do you see the numbers of, of deaths associated with fentanyl? Are you able to calculate that? Well, if we if we used and what I've done and I've done it on our website is the baseline for 2016 conservatively mm-hmm. was approximately 389 deaths a day. So if we use that as mm. a guideline, where from 2013 to present, uh, we're at roughly um, about 900,000 drug-related deaths instead of the lower numbers, which would put us at about half a million. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece of it, what's interesting, is that the CDC has estimated that that about 72.2 percent of all drug-related deaths um, that they're that they're publishing are fentanyl-related. Wow. So if we take a conservative number and slash mm. that down, mm. and, and and we always want to remain on the conservative side, right? But if we only said 50 percent involved mm. um, fentanyl, then we're looking at over half a million uh, fentanyl injuries and deaths. Um, and that's really on the conservative side. And that is since when? The problem is uh, since 2013. That's what I thought, yeah. Wow. So what's crazy about this is that that doesn't count the number of injuries that are non-lethal. Right. Which is really where the true number is going to be found. Mm. Um, we can look at as much of the mortality as we want but the number we should be looking at is how many people are having these near death and, and drug injuries that require intervention. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you the true measure of the scope of this epidemic. And yet that's not the measuring tool that we're using. Now, let me um, ask you something. Um, if the person does not die from the fentanyl, but other damages are the other damages um, well, why don't you describe what other damages are and are they long-term or I think I know where you're going, but tell me what that is. Well, one of the greatest, uh, damages that can occur is, is, uh, is brain damage. That's what I thought. Um, right. The hypoxia and, and the lack of oxygen to the brain. Right. And do we have a number of the, do we have 
the statistic on the number of brain injuries Mm -hmm. that have resulted from fentanyl toxicity? The answer is no, we don't. There's so much we don't know. Mm -hmm. And yet we continue to shift policy um, towards prescription and that this, this entire thing is only existing within the substance use community. Now, that's not to say that they haven't been impacted. The right. very first wave of death came directly in the substance use community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is because the heroin was contaminated without their knowledge. Right. The opioid community was not in any way prepared to get heroin that suddenly had fentanyl in it. And this was a deception that was done on purpose. Mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the cartels wanted to create fentanyl addictions in an already vulnerable population right. for money. And, right. and so what did they do? They started contaminating. The, the first uh, line was the heroin supplies. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's when we saw that massive first wave of death that started between 2013 to roughly 2015, early 2016. Right. And all of them, the majority of them were not straight heroin deaths. Mm-hmm. The majority of those deaths were fentanyl related. Wow. Um, and, if and, those people had done exactly what they did, Prior to 2013, the majority of them would still be with us. That's right. And now, and, and, and you know, I, I, I think that you would probably agree that this is not a red or a blue issue, but I'm about to say something that might make people think that it is. We now have a new administration that is changing things, let's just say. Um, we don't know what the ramifications of, of this new border, I was going to say border control, lack of border control, but... Um, so it's, it's, it's a whole nother thing that's going to affect this. And we're going to take a, a quick break here. And, um, when we come back, if you want to follow up on that one, and, and then I think this is going to be our last break, Virginia, and then we'll go right through to seven o'clock. And I want you to, to share with us what you feel is, is most pertinent and, um, and, and action. And I think that's all part of your, your notes here as to okay, what we can great. do. All right. Thank you very much. Folks, we'll be right back with Virginia Krieger speaking of the new paradigm. And welcome back to Recovering Hope. My name is still Mark Markley, and again, it's a pleasure to be here with you this evening. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Virginia Krieger. Speaking of this new paradigm, there are so many factors that are changing the way um, people are dying, people are getting sick, and I think it's very, very important to, to know what's going on, particularly, but not limited to maybe the younger group here that might take an occasional pill and think, what's the big deal? Well, Virginia's going to give us a little bit more about what that big deal is. Are you still there, Virginia? I'm here. I was just kind of getting dancing a little bit to your Jay Giles music there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can thank Joe for that. He's, uh, he's good with the music in there. Um, yeah. Uh, so to continue to elaborate, so I went over the deception uh, that mm-hmm. was involved in the first wave of death with fentanyl, which came within the uh, recovery community and the substance community. Mm -hmm. And so they became rapidly aware that fentanyl contamination was a problem. And so 
you know, not that it made it, it, what didn't make it okay, it just because someone has substance use disorder does not give you permission to poison them through deception. Right. And so that was, but that was never addressed. It was mm-hmm. never addressed. It was, well, and, and the general attitude was, well, you know, they, they get what they deserve. They, they use right. the drugs, then, you know, it's their fault. Right. Well, I disagree with that. Yeah, I, I strongly too. disagree with that. Um, so then the second wave began, which we're in right now. So they, the initial, the, the only reason, the only motivation there could have been to contaminate heroin with fentanyl was to create an addiction to fentanyl, which is a mm-hmm. much stronger addiction mm-hmm. than a heroin addiction. Um, they need fentanyl more often, and, and any user can tell you this. It doesn't last as long, so they return more often. They uh-huh. buy more of it. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's this constant higher need level that exists mm. and a stronger uh, addiction that is much harder to break. Is it also cheaper, so Virginia? Happened, yes. Um, from my understanding, it is, and, 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 uh, and it's especially for the manufacturers, the distributors, right. the cartels. right. They don't have to grow a poppy field. That's right. They don't have to have workers to tend it. Yeah. They don't have to harvest. All they have to do is place an order, and China mm. sends them the 4ANPP straight by ship to Mexico. Wow. And they do a one-pot method, and it's ready to hit the streets. And the fact that it's cheaper uh, makes it much more accessible in mm-hmm. um, exactly. exacerbating the problem. And, yeah. and then the new dimension hit, which is the worst one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I suspect that they had killed off too much of their market share. And so what was the next level? Well, the next level was the counterfeit pills. Mm. And this is probably the most insidious of all, because now what they're doing is they're putting fentanyl in the form of what we have learned to depend on as being safe prescription medications, mm. which are 100% per- predictable from pharmaceutical companies. Right. So they're creating the pills to look identical to those mm-hmm. to start to, to, to deceive people in healthy people into addiction. Right. So in other words, we have the 15 year old who orders a Xanax and he's getting fentanyl and maybe that pill isn't, um, you know, fatal, mm-hmm. but now what's happening is they're developing an addiction to fentanyl in that 15-year-old, mm-hmm. without him even knowing that they're doing it, right. he thinks he's getting a Xanax, he's mm-hmm. getting a fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this entirely new group of people who are completely unprepared for anything like this, and they're, and they're dying, and, and this is the fastest-growing demographic for death right now, wow. are in the casual user, first-time user, and self-medicating wow. um, demographics now you said you said something interesting there i'm sorry to um jump in but you said and he orders a xanax and this is places like snapchat right snapchat Mm -hmm. uh twitter Mm -hmm. facebook Mm -hmm. um you know place your order boy oh boy talk about a dangerous world oh my gosh okay i'm sorry please continue yeah it's even worse yeah because you or i can right now Go on Amazon. Mm-hmm. We can order the pill presses. We can order the binding powders and everything we need to make a counterfeit pill. Mm. And there's absolutely no regulation on any of that. Wow. And so wow. anybody can just go on there and buy everything they need mm. to make these pills. And you can even buy the trademark pill dyes. 
um, being sold on all kinds of websites. I think I saw that. I think Ed Bish had published something like that. Maybe it was you. Um, yeah, it was me. Okay. Um, I'm constantly searching up these websites and to Mm -hmm. to, to show people how bad this really is. Mm. Um, and so now we've entered this new dimension of, uh, of now what fentanyl has done is it, it did what no other drug has ever done before. It kills in microscopic amounts it, mm-hmm. it, and it kills with a single use. And then it hit the, the third thing no other drug has done before. And it left right outside of the uh, substance use community and started affecting people and dying outside of it. That's mm. never happened before. We've never right. had that model ever. Right. Right. Wow. And so... And this is not to say, and I want to clarify to everyone listening, mm-hmm. I am in no way minimizing anyone with a substance use disorder who has suffered because of this fentanyl. No, My that's right. My son nearly died from it. Yeah. I'm highlighting that, mm. you know, now we have another group yes. that isn't predictable that has been thrown into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And both are equally as tragic and both are just reprehensible to me that our, our leadership has done nothing about it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when someone is given something, when it's disguised or hidden in anything you consume Mm -hmm. and it's it's harmful to to the human body and that's a poisoning. Right. And so people continue to use this word overdose. Mm -hmm. And I, I dislike that intensely because the term overdose implies that you simply overdid it. That's right. You took too much. You weren't paying attention, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And that isn't what's happening. No. People are, 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 are drug induced homicides. Being poisoned. They're being poisoned without their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And whether you have substance use disorder or not, Mm -hmm. that doesn't change it. It is still a homicide. Right. Right. Um, and so we, we, but then we come up against a wall because, you know, what about that kid who just gave some to his friend? That's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about the people who are making this stuff. That's right. Who full well know that they're putting fentanyl in the product. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And so, um, mm. but it, it's continues to manifest and none of our, everything that is being done on the federal level is either geared towards the substance use community, mm-hmm. harm reduction uh, principles yes. or prescriptions. Yes. That's it. They are not even, they haven't even recognized the actual problem yet. And the harm reduction um, fiasco is a whole nother conversation. Um, Michael gave me an education on that, and I, I'm sure you know the, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, some of it's good, but some of it is definitely not. And, uh, well, that's and, a, and the only reason it's not is because of the current environment, and, and, mm. and that's the distinction we have to make. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can view... A great deal, and in fact, I'm supportive of a number of the uh, practices that they want to put in place. Any mm-hmm. stigma is, a, is is an important factor. Yes, we it have is. to humanize this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the one piece that's missing, and it, it's really, and Michael likes to say they've been a victim of their own success in this respect, is because they've only dealt with the plant based drugs this entire time. So right. everything that they right. look at is through that lens. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really fault anyone for that. But then everything changed in 2013, and everybody's running to catch up. Yeah, and that's um, not like it was yesterday. You know, I think that there you know, should be some more catching up that has been done. And, uh, but that's what yeah. people like you and Michael are doing and, and, and many others. I don't want to leave anybody out there. So many people I've gotten to know um, 
unfortunately, because of this, but everybody's doing their part. It's 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 going to take a lot. And that's going to be the hardest piece for all of us is to just understand that fentanyl is a whole new problem. It needs to be handled differently. Um, and, And so our effort is really to pull it away and set it aside in its own category. Uh, mm-hmm. so that we can really look at this problem and, and address it in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's going to, you know, endorse uh, healing, of course, but also public protection for the general public because it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to just to all the listeners out there, just so you can get a better picture of how much fentanyl it takes to take a life. I, I, if you have any artificial sweetener around or the mm-hmm. next time you go out to eat, grab one of those packets mm-hmm. um, from the little cozy on the table yeah. and dump it all out. Dump it all out. Empty mm-hmm. the whole packet. Then take your dry finger and rub it on the inside of the empty packet and pull it out. And what is on your finger is enough to kill you. Wow. That is, that, that's mm. the best illustration I can give. None of the mm. visuals do it justice. And that is the closest one that you're going to find. Yeah, I saw um, one. They have a penny on a table, and there's a, you know, just to get the proportion, and there's a, a speck like not even the half a size of a grain of rice, maybe a, a lot smaller than that. Yeah. But that's why it, it puzzled me when you said that your daughter got pure fentanyl that was supposed to be a Percocet. That's a lot of fentanyl if it was all yeah. fentanyl. How, how well, could anybody it's, survive it's, it's that? Binding powder. It's mostly binding powder. Okay. And and then they have what they'll do is they'll take this. Uh, they'll do a giant batch. And so when our pharmaceutical companies make um, pharmaceutical grade fentanyl, which by the way, folks, all of our prescription grade fentanyl is made right here in the United States of America. We do not import it, mm-hmm. and it's heavily controlled and managed. Good. So this is not prescription fentanyl. This is completely illegal, mm-hmm. illegally manufactured and distributed fentanyl coming from China who is giving federal tax rebates to their companies to make it. And, and they're still doing it to this day. Wow. Um, only months after they agreed to stop making it, mm-hmm. a shipment of 25.7 tons of <sighs> pure fentanyl was intercepted on a ship bound from China to the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. Wow. Um, so, you know, they are no way out of the fentanyl production market yet. Mm-hmm. Although we suspect that they may be moving, pulling out now that the Mexican cartels have taken over. And they have. The, the main distribu- distribution point is Mexico to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so but anyways, it still comes from China? Uh, it all still comes from China, though? Oh, yeah. China makes all the precursor chemicals. They ship it directly to Mexico. They have a one-pot method. Um, and, and China trained them in how to do it. And so Mm -hmm. they have shifted over to Mm -hmm. fentanyl. That is the future, by the way, of the opioid market. It's going to be fentanyl Mm -hmm. all the time. And so that's, it's critical for us to get on this now. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I, sometimes I fear that we may be, despite our efforts, it may be too late to stop it from diversifying further in the global Mm -hmm. markets. But, you know, we have great Mm -hmm. hope that we can still shut it down while it's just two entities. Yes, but we still have have to continue to educate people like this. um, So people will know, you know, um, well, yes. And so, you know, we have this, so that the illustrations that they're giving you, um, that, that even that isn't really, 
doesn't give you a good visual. The crazy part about it, when they use the grains of salt, um, they use that as an example, but the right. difference between fentanyl and salt is salt is granular. Right. Fentanyl is a fine powder. Okay, I see. So when you're talking about mixing it, mm. they're taking you know a big bag of fentanyl, they're taking a bag of binding powder, they're using a standard blender, mm-hmm. and they're mixing it together, and then they're pressing pills. Mm. Michael has a chart that will show you what the concentration levels will be. So there could be five pills with just a little fentanyl in them right. and 50 pills with a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, These aren't exactly pharmacists doing this. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no standard. You, there's no quality. There's no. Um, it's not a, a fully homogenous mix. And so that's what makes it so, so incredibly dangerous. Mm. But the other piece of that still remains the insidiousness of deceiving healthy people into addiction through a fake pill. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never had this happen before, and yet we still don't have public safety announcements. There should Mm. be public safety announcements everywhere. Um, In fact, I hope Nancy doesn't mind me bringing her name up, but Nancy Mm -hmm. Gray, Michael's wife, was, Mm -hmm. was the first person to say that. Uh-huh. You know, I know everything I need to do for COVID, but I know nothing about the counterfeit prescription pills. Mm-hmm. There's been no announcements, yes. nothing to, to warn the public. Why? Yes. And, and that's a really good question. And when you compare these, let's call them both pandemics, um, drug deaths and COVID, everybody, like you said, everybody knows everything to do, at least what they're supposed to do for COVID. But, you know, as you yeah. just related that, very few people know what to do or how to recognize these pills. Um, I'm just really somewhat overwhelmed. You know, the, the whole mixture of things, this paradigm that started 2013, um, eight years ago, yes. is that? Yes. And then the, the old paradigm was bad enough. COVID, this new administration with open borders saying, come on, fellas, bring it in. And again, I'm not trying to get political here. I, I would say it if it was the other way around. I don't care about the color of their election button. But it's, I don't think we've seen, I think you said this earlier, that, that we haven't seen the worst of this, as bad as it is. No, we haven't. Not by a long shot. And, and hmm. here's the, the worst piece of this, is that what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the folks that are coming to our border are, they're not migrants, and I want to clarify that. Mm-hmm. A large majority of them are refugees of the undeclared cartel wars in Mexico and our and countries south of Mexico. Wow. Um, the cartels, these are failed narco states. And mm-hmm. what, what a narco state means for your listeners is it means that they, the, the law enforcement agencies, the government agencies, the military are all corrupted mm-hmm. by uh, drug trafficking networks. Yeah. Now, Mexico just removed all federal protection from our DEA agents who in Mexico trying to investigate these cartels and shut down these fentanyl supply lines. Mm. So right there, that tells you that the Mexican government has taken a position to protect the cartels and not their people. More than 10 million Mexican families have been displaced by cartel violence. They've had their homes taken from them, and they've had to run for their lives. Wow. 
and we've done nothing. We have done absolutely nothing to stop as particularly the Sinaloa cartel from rising to power and taking over and, and all the border towns on the other side of, of, of what wall we do have are mm-hmm. owned by the cartels. Those are not mm-hmm. regular people living there. The real people have left. Wow. Um, what is going on in, in, in Mexico is a, is a tragedy a, a, of biblical proportions. Mm-hmm. The human atrocities that are taking place because of these violent, brutal drug trafficking organizations are, are, are comparable to what was going on in World War II Germany. Um, wow. I, and I, I can't stress that enough. The people there are not, that they, don't, they are afraid and they, they have every reason to be. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many babies and children our, our border patrol agents have intercepted who have been forced, the parents and the babies, mm-hmm. forced to have drugs saran wrapped to their bodies. Yes, They've got I've fennel wrapped around them, yep. crossing yep. you know, a 160-degree desert. Mm. Because if they don't, they're not only going to kill them, they're going to kill everybody they love back home. And, and they aren't joking. Wow. They will do it. Wow. Um, boy, and so is... the human trafficking, they had an entire, in 2010, there was a, a busload of uh, folks who were trying to make it to the U.S. The cartel intercepted the bus with semi-automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. They offloaded every passenger on that bus. I believe there were 79. Mm-hmm. They put them in a box truck. They took them to an undisclosed location, which with a walled-in backyard. They told these men, join us or die. And when they refused to join, they murdered every one of them. Wow. That was it. Wow. There was one survivor mm. who managed to escape. And that's how to, we know. To tell the yeah. tale. Wow. And um, I, I think it's the San Ysidro massacre. Um, they even have mm-hmm. a write-up about it on Wikipedia if people want to look that up. But wow. this is the kind of people we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the scary part is, is that they have fully infiltrated. Um, they are in every state, every county, and every city in the U.S. now. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, um, the programs that happened um, in 2014 and the reinstatement of catch and release mm-hmm. opened the doorway for them to get in here hidden among Wow. Just you know, right, the regular right. people who just wanted to get out of yeah, there. Yeah. And so they blend in. You don't know mm-hmm. who they are. Yeah. Some of these girls that are with these cartels look like prom queens. Mm-hmm. You would never know that wow. these girls have already murdered people. Wow. Um, Virginia, we've only got about so, three minutes, two, three minutes left. And as far as taking action, I noticed that you included a, an, an overdose map in your notes. And I looked at that quickly before I came down here. Um, but putting that aside for the moment, um, some action plans. What can we do? A couple of minutes. Well, the first thing that we need to do is just to warn your family, warn your children. Right. Um, spread the word that these pills are not safe. The test strips are no guarantee of safety either. Mm-hmm. Um, it, one portion of the pill might have fentanyl in it. Another portion won't. Oh, so they have um, test strips to so- see if there's fentanyl in it? Yes, but the test strips aren't reliable because okay. of the distribution. Those mm-hmm. test strips are made for something that is uniformly mixed. I see. These okay. aren't uniformly mixed. Okay, that's, that's a very important point. So okay. Um, so I want people to know that if, if you're going to do that, the only way to truly know for sure is to dilute the entire 
pill mm-hmm. or substance in water and test the water. Oh uh, yeah, okay, good point. Uh, good point. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is is that there is a program called the Overdose Mapping and Tracking System that's using mainly being used by law enforcement agencies. But what that is is a real time application that's filled out by first responders that mm-hmm. tells you what the injury was, what the rapid test drugs were involved. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it gives you a real-time mapping of the number of, we'll call them overdoses, but I hate the word, yeah. um, drug injuries or overdoses that across the board, whether they're fatal or not fatal. Mm-hmm. If we start using that as our measurement tool, then mm-hmm. we can finally understand the scope of the problem right. so that we can start to properly address it. Yeah. Okay. To fix any problem, we have to first identify what, what is the problem, how big is it, where is it coming from, and who is it being affected? Right. right. Um, and if we can identify all those things, then we can form an effective action plan. Yes. But in this epidemic, due to failures on every level, mm-hmm. we still don't know the answers to some really critical questions like, how many drug injuries are there in this country every day? Nobody knows. Yeah. Why are our agencies unaware of the new population being infected? Nobody mm-hmm. knows. Why have our responses only been geared towards old paradigm plant-based drugs when everybody knows that illicit fentanyl has been behind this for eight years and nobody knows? Let me ask you something else so, real quick, Virginia. I'm sorry, but this this um, fentanyl awareness coalition that I think you, Michael, a couple other people are part of, this is a coalition formed to kind of organize and 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 get the important points out to 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 take some actions. Is this something that's that's in the process of being formed, or is it already formed? We are formed. We have uh, right now. We have about twelve affiliated mm-hmm. affiliates. We okay. have, um, and we're kind of an umbrella organization. Mm-hmm. We're we're seeking new members um, who are organizations, and and our only focus is on the illicit fentanyl issue right now. Right. A synthetic. Well, good because we need future. to focus. Right. And and that was something right. that impressed so, me very much. Uh, with you and Michael and um, what you're doing. Oh, he's great. We have brought on some really, really wonderful people. Good. All of them, they kind of do their own thing, but on this one issue, we come mm-hmm. together. Good. And, you know, and so it's do, do you know Diane Urban? Oh, yes. She's one of our affiliates. Okay. Well, she's our guest next week. Um, I believe okay. she's the founder she's of Appalled. Appalled. Yeah, Association yes, of yes. People Against Lethal Drugs. And, correct. And so we can... We Diane and Michael, and mm-hmm. we have drug-induced homicide, mm-hmm. forgotten victims of drug-induced homicide is another one of our affiliates. And I think last um, time I spoke to Michael, is, is there a website being formed, or is it already up? It's almost done. Okay. It's amazing. We got okay. to look at the preview this good, week. I good, was so good. happy with it. Okay. And um, how can folks get in touch with you? information will be there. You can find me on Facebook, Virginia mm. Krieger, K-R-I-E-G-E-R. Okay. Um, you can also find me at, we have a website, Parents Against Illicit Narcotics. That's my uh, my nonprofit organization. Okay. Um, and it's www.p-a-i-n.us. The word okay. pain with the dashes. Um, okay. You can also find me on Twitter uh, under Virginia Krieger as well. Okay. All right, we're out of time, I'm afraid, Virginia, but thank you so much. There's so much information here. I appreciate all the hard work that you have done and are doing, and I look forward to helping out any way that I can. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Sure.
All right, folks, see you next week with uh, Diane Urban and Appalled. Have a great night.